This is a sound purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. Episode 13 Faith No More's 1992 release, Angel Dust. Welcome back to A Sound Purchase. We want to announce, happily, quite happily, the launch of our merch site, hosted by TeePublic. You can get a Sound Purchase t-shirt, a Sound Purchase phone case, a Sound Purchase pillowcase, a Sound Purchase tapestry. You can even get a Sound Purchase hoodie or face mask. And don't say that we don't care. We, in fact, care a lot. It's a day job, but someone's got to do it. I feel like I needed like a um, what they called like the party things you blow into and the what and the thing comes out of it. Oh it yeah, makes that really sad whistle it is a, noise. It's a good day, people. It's a good day. We've launched our tea public site. I mean, none of you are going to hear about this for probably a little while because we're recording this in advance, obviously, but we've launched our tea public site. Woo! We don't set any of the prices on this. This is all preset by tea public, is it? which is yeah, which is kind of cool, but at the same time a little bit steep. Uh but you know, every little helps mm. support us, you know. It's we've both got day jobs, we'd rather not have them. You Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Right, so shall we dive into some context? Yeah, let's let's get cracking. Let's get cracking. Today's album mm. is Angel Dust by Faith No More. Faith No More, a five-piece band hailing from San Francisco, USA. They formed, and I was surprised by this, Jake. They formed in 1979. 79. 79. How old were they? About 12. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? They formed in 1979. It was 10 years later when they released The Real Thing, which was their, their kind of big breakthrough, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They kind of went... Yeah. Yeah, they, they went absolutely astronomically big, didn't mm, they? Mm, mm. They will we'll cross us a little bit later, uh, but The Real Thing was the first album to feature vocalist Mike Patton who replaced mm. Chuck Mosley and sadly for Mike Patton Chuck Mosley still has bragging rights because he was the one that recorded Faith No More's best song <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's uh, you're not wrong you're not wrong hugely up for contention but no I mean Mike Patton we're gonna we're gonna do all sorts of things to him today because he is a legend. Right. Whilst we're talking about band members, according to their website or and or Wikipedia, they've listed in this order, bassist Billy Gold. It's not often that we get to start with a bass player, is it? No. Well, isn't he no. like one of the main songwriters as well? Yes, and a founding member. Yeah. Yep. So, And then we have keyboardist, and sometimes rhythm guitarist Roddy Bottom as well, who was, or is it Batum? 
I I've always said bottom, but um, yeah, depends how sort of posh you're pretending to be, I guess. Yeah, like, they they formed the band together mm. with drummer Mike Borden, who. I mean, not only has he got awesome long dreads, but he also has, like, the fattest, thickest tom-toms in history. <laughs> like, each one's a floor tom. Pretty and the much. the floor tom's a timpani. Yeah, like, I, I'm not even joking. I mean, I remember watching uh, the video for Epic the first time I kind of was introduced to them, and I was thinking, I thought Dave Grohl had the fattest, Well, I thought he did. I tom-toms. Yeah. You carry on. I'm just going to watch the yeah. video for Epic. And that's thick with two C's, by the way. That's just T-H-I-C-C, thick. Guitarist, Jim Martin. Big Jim Martin. Big Jim Martin, who I always thought looked way out of place in the band, just judging off appearances, judging the book by its cover, because he looks about 10 years older than him, <laughs> than the rest of them. Um, and again, like watching watching the video for Epic... And I don't mean this as a slight, but he's got the big beard. I mean, Mike Patton looks so young in that video, but Jim Martin looks actually like a granddad. <laughs> you know, so I was always like, man, you're out of place. And of course, vocalist Mike Patton. My first introduction to Mike Patton was actually through his other band. Which one? <laughs> Mr. Uh, Bungle? Oh, Mr. Bungle, the name had just eluded me there, yeah. So when I was recording with uh, TK, who we've previously mentioned on the Little Bushman episode, mm. TK is quite a big fan of Mr. Bungle. And uh, being, you know, 13, 14 years old at the time, he played us clips of Mr. Bungle, like especially the song, and I don't know what the song is, but it's a song of basically Mike Patton going to the toilet. and being 13 or 14 we thought that was amazing so singer mike Patton has previously stated i think that too many people think too much about my lyrics i am more a person who works with the sound of a word than with its meaning often i just choose the words because of the rhythm not because of the meaning fair enough i'm calling bollocks um, I am for some of it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it, not everything that he writes is going to be like that. But, you know. There, there are songs that have definite meaning to him. And it's like, yeah. you haven't just chosen songs, because otherwise you'd be just going, oingo, boingo, and the rest of it, you know, like, yeah. Friends of the podcast. Friends of the podcast, oingo, boingo, although oh. Danny Elfman mm. is actually coming out to be a bit of a dick at the moment. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. What's happened? What's he done? Oh, no, just like um, there's something coming out because they're doing this uh, Justice League Zack Snyder cut four-hour epic. Mm. And uh, Danny Elfman was hired to to redo the Justice cut when Joss Whedon took over. Right, okay. And so he erased basically all of Junkie XL's score and previous scores from the uh, Batman v Superman. So, like, there was a Batman theme, and he's like, nope, 1989 Batman theme. That is the only mm. Batman theme. Yeah. I mean, he's sort of right, but... Oh. Oh, no, there's the animated Batman theme. Oh, the animated Batman theme.
that's that's the only yeah. Batman. And thing. the Edge did a Batman theme too. Yeah, was it, oh, was it no, the actually Batman? the 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 Batman theme yeah. is Adam West's Batman theme. Well, yeah, exactly. So anyhow, you know what, Mike Patton? I mean, I got a lot of time for you, man. You're you're a huge legend. We we love you, but don't tell us what to do. We're going to analyze your lyrics because that's what we do, man. Okay, you can't put lyrics or poems or books out there and like ask them to not be analyzed. That's what we do. That's what John Martin did. Yeah, and I, I mean, to be fair, John Martin's lyrics make less sense. <laughs> these <laughs> these lyrics are more coherent than John Martin's lyrics, but even still, I understand that you may not put as much thought into your lyrics. You know, when you think about like, oh. That's a really nice simile, or that's a really nice extended metaphor. You probably don't break mm. it down like that when you're writing them, but that doesn't change the fact that they're there. Well, that's true. You know, yeah. and it's like like we say, you know, we're studying key stage four English, GCSE English, looking at Animal Farm, looking at Of Mice and Men. You know, these books are studied because, not because the John Steinbeck sat down and went, I know what I'll do. I'll compare this guy to an animal all the time. That's what I'll do. I'll write a book and compare him to an animal. No, no, no. You know, it's it's almost, I'd probably guarantee it's almost probably a bit of a happy accident. Oh, probably. Yeah. Almost certainly. I'm not trying to say there's no thought put into this process. I am. <laughs> you are? Good. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. You know. fuck, you, fuck you, Mike Pan. Yeah. Oh, I like Mike Pan. <laughs> Anyhow. Nah, he's a good yeah, egg. He's I a mean, good egg. The thing is, oh, when I was prepping the notes for this, I just didn't want to sit here and like every song go, oh, Mike Patton's singing. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, like I really had to restrain my vo- <laughs> restrain myself because uh, his singing is amazing. Don't get me wrong. He's probably mm. one of the strongest most eclectic singers in music history mm. probably or, like in the, pop music um, history especially well, the things he can he can do with his voice yeah. like even outside of singing just uh, where he's done voice acting work for yeah various bits and bobs is crazy yeah, yeah. well and, and the range the man's got the range just goes on forever yeah well they well, they like say six octaves Axel isn't Rose it Rose has got the biggest range out of everyone he doesn't. <laughs> no, they, they say that he does, and uh, then then I think Freddie Mercury's up there too, but Mike Patton is... Mm. Well, you, when you think of a good singer, everybody always defaults to Freddie Mercury, and he was incredible, don't get me wrong. Mm. No one ever really kind of sits there and goes, no, Mike Patton. Mm. And I'm sure Mike Patton's but kind of happy with that, you know, where he's <laughs> got their bit of a non... And he's a little bit anonymous, but yeah. Anyhow... Uh, Having garnered a lot of attention for The Real Thing, the album that we've been talking about, and probably more so the lead single, Epic, like we've said, the band for Angel Dust set out to accomplish something different. And this something that they tried to accomplish left the critics and record company flummoxed, but it has become really celebrated by the fans. Mm. I mean, I don't want to spoil the podcast now, but this is probably my favourite Faith No More album. It's the one I know the best. Yeah, and I'll probably say the same. I've had a lot of arguments with Pubba, friend of the show. <laughs> had a lot of arguments with Pubba about which Faith No More album is the best because he keeps claiming it's King for a Day. King for a Day. That's the one. 
And every time I sit down to listen to King for a day, I actually wind up putting Angel Dust back on. <laughs> you know, it's it's been a hugely important album for me over the over the past few years. Uh, probably since 2014, I was fortunate. I went to see them in Hyde Park at the oh yeah, you uh, did BST festival. Lucky man! Oh, it was it was fantastic. So I was at an all day festival. Uh, my father and I were at an all day festival, and then the next day we took a 24 hour flight to New Zealand. So we went from like elation to absolute depression, not because we we're going back to New Zealand, but because we were on a plane for like 24 hours. But anyway, the the band showed up in black priest shirts and collars and the stage was completely kit out in white, like they had sheets over everything. And I mean, the day itself was pretty, pretty metal. So everything was normally pretty black, but they, they covered everything they put out massive vases of like flowers and all of this and it was just really the opposite of what I expected and I knew the band I knew them previously I mean I mainly knew Epic and Easy which I'm sure we'll talk about today and so I had a bit of a kind of like yeah these guys are all right but I just sat there for the entire show just like oh my god oh my god Papa was also present on the day and he said they were on fire. He'd seen them actually quite a few times before and said that they they can have a lot of, or they've, they've had a lot of off nights when he's seen them, but that was an incredible, incredible show. So just to explain how metal that day was, it was also on the bill was Motorhead, although we've discussed this before, Lemmy wasn't in a good state. I mean, he was probably like a year or two away from his death, but uh, right. it wasn't. It wasn't good. Soulfly played. Well, I didn't really care for that much. Um, Does anyone? No, you know. Does anyone care uh, for Soulfly? Yeah. Wolfmother played, which was wicked, uh, because we had the main stage, and then there was like a tiny, teeny weeny little like Spiegel tent, and Wolfmother were playing in there, and the queue was huge. To get in. Have you uh, have you seen the the clip of Mike Patton not liking Wolfmother? Uh, like no. it may well have been at that show, but um, he's doing an interview and you can hear Wolfmother playing in the background. He's just like, "What is this shit?" Sixties <laughs> Italian music with an orchestra that I'm really psyched about. Uh, I'm doing a record with Dan the Automator. Doing a record with Amon Tobin. Um, me and Rosell are going to do a record. I mean, there's you know, there's always stuff to do. You don't need to look very far. And these are all things that really I've been wanting to do for five years. So, in a strange way, are you hearing this? What year are we in? Forgive me. But, Wolf Mother, you suck. <laughs> Help me. Am I crazy? Can I get an amen? But it's only like Oh my god! Enough already. Are people that stupid? I guess they are. Well, Wolfmother, they were, they were. It was packed. We we lasted about two songs with Wolfmother because it was it was pretty rowdy in there. Um, Soundgarden played, and again, it was about a year or two before Chris Cornell died. And they were all right, but to be fair, I think 
Faith No More overshadowed them all, apart from Black Sabbath. You know, no one, no one overshadows Black Sabbath. I mean, you say that Black Sabbath released a lot of dross. Let's, uh, yeah, let's be okay. honest. Okay. <laughs> um, no one, no one out outshadows Black Sabbath on their farewell tour. And oh, right, fair they enough. had a lot of good shit as well. Jake, this leads us into the game show segment. Ooh. Jake, in this episode, you're going to be playing for another friend of the show, a listener, called Michael J. Mm. Douglas. Michael Douglas? Pennsylvania. No, it's not the Michael Douglas, and nor is it Michael J. Fox. Right. I I did get excited when I saw the name, because I thought, (laughs) I wonder if Michael J. Fox has just changed his name to Douglas, so that it's... It's like a... uh... What's called a pseudonym. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Michael J. Douglas, hailing from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania 65,000. Not Transylvania, Pennsylvania. He got in contact with us uh, through stephsquatch.com. There's a contact us section and said he heard of last week's winner getting the swag bag. Of merch, of all that stuff. Hence why, oh, do we yeah. understand why we've uh, opened up our own merch store now? So so that we actually have some merch to give away. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. Uh, no cards that we've kissed or anything like that This on there, though. No, not, not during the COVID the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. No. No. Yeah. If you want a chance to win, lucky listener, if you want a chance to win a swag bag full of sound purchase merchandise, like the aforementioned tapestry, and pillow and phone case. I'm going to just jump in. I thought you were joking when you said a tapestry. Can you actually I, legitimately I buy a tapestry? I am not joking. You can buy a sound purchase tapestry. <laughs> I think the tapestry itself is actually just like a flag. Oh, That's ah, what I'm still. thinking it is, but it's actually on the site listed as a tapestry. I don't pick the names, people. <laughs> I just I just designed the stuff. And yeah, so if you are wanting a chance to win a swag bag of sound purchase merch, contact us through social media, Steph Squatch blog or stephsquatch.com. So good luck, Michael. Good luck, Michael J. Douglas. Today's game, Jake, is based around the name of the album studied in this episode. I have mm-hmm. five true street names of illegal drugs. And right. five names that I've made up. Right, okay. Your task is to decide if the name I have said is a street name or fiction. Right, okay. Okay. All right. Right, here we go. Number one. Blind Squid. Blind Squid. I think that you have made that up. Is that your final answer? It is. Locking it in. Uh, it, yes, Chris. <laughs> I, I prefer Jeremy, actually. <laughs> no, I don't. I haven't seen it. I really haven't don't s- prefer Jeremy. I, I've always liked a bit of Chris. Blind Squid is a street name for Ketterman. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? Alright, I found these names on a online database for alcohol and drug addiction. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Who's calling who's calling it blind squid? 
<laughs> oh, you wait. That's I mean, I'm I'm trying to start off pretty pretty normal, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna get crazier. Okay, right, okay. Number two, electric cool, and that's really hoping you were gonna say boogaloo there, but I know, I know. Electric cool, electric cool with a K, like Kool Aid. You know, I I want that one to be real, so I'm gonna say yes. Are we locking that in? Uh, yes. Electric cool is LSD. Hey. Yeah. Why? Who comes up with this? I don't know. Number three. Devil's tongue. No, that sounds like, um... I don't know what that sounds like. It sounds like, you know, if you've licked your cat and you've got all like, the hair on it and you're, you're gagging on Yeah, no, that's what that sounds like to me. I don't think that's a drug. Are we locking that one in? Yes. Devil's Tongue is... Made up. Hey. Yeah. Number four. Tombstone. Great film, but is it a street name of a drug? Funny enough, I've been playing PS4 Spider-Man, and I've just done the spy, uh, the side mission where you where you uh, fight Tombstone. He deals drugs. Oh, okay. Um, oh, does he? Yes. Now, if it's yes, so how many how many questions are we doing? Five. Oh no, it's ten, isn't it? Ten. So there's ten total. Yeah. If it's yes, we're already free into our real drugs. So. And I think that's exactly the kind of move you'd make, so I'm going to say it's real. Are we locking it in? Oh, yes. Tombstone. Wonderful film. Ghost directed by Kurt Russell. My man. He has the best moustache in that film, too. Ah. It's made up. We need to get a sad... Okay, number four. Like number the five. Team America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Number five. Cow patties. Cow patties. Cow patties. That's uh that's like a uh, another name for basically. Oh, I know what a cow pat is, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what a cow pat yeah, is? Yeah. Okay, alright. Alright. You know, if you take me for some sort of non-cow pat known scrub. Uh, I'm going to say that one is also not true. That's not true. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Cow patties. Is mushrooms. Magic mushrooms. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Why well, is there a street name for magic mushrooms? <laughs> I don't know. There's mushrooms. Okay. Yeah. Number six. Third eye. Well, like David Blaine had on his hand. Yeah, not to be confused with third eye blind. I think I'm going to stick to my guns. It's not a real drug. Third eye. 
is made up. <laughs> All right. Number seven. The Vulcan Death Pinch. Vulcan Death Pinch. <laughs> oh. I mean, I want Not that to be, be confused real, but... with the Volva. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't think that you'd get a street name for druggers, Vulcan Death Pinch. I did tell you, they get weirder as we go along. Yeah, but it could, doesn't mean you've not made it up. Um, right. Well, so we're on three and three at the moment, so... Vulcan Death Pinch. Um, no, I don't, I think you've made it up. Is that your final answer? It is. It is. Unless you're going to give me like a 50-50. Okay. Or an ask the audience. Do you want to ask the audience? Well, you're the audience, so yes, I'll ask you. Uh, is it uh, is it made up? <laughs> I did actually read this week that uh, when you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, most of the audience select the wrong answer because they're the family members of the contestants yeah, waiting I've, to I've go next. Yeah, I've heard that. So... You've locked in that it's made up. Mm. Vulcan Death Pinch is made up. Hey. Yeah. Ba 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 bow. Okay. Bow, 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 indeed. Number eight. Kryptonite. Yeah, I can see that being a thing. I'm going to say that's real. Hey. Locking it in? Locking it in. You don't want a 50-50. Well, I've used the... Uh, did I not use the 50-50? I haven't phoned a friend. You haven't phoned a friend? Hang on. Give me just okay. one minute. Uh, yeah. You're not uh, doing this on your phone, are you? Because I'm about to about to call you. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm joking. Kryptonite. Locked in. Locked in. Kryptonite is... Crack cocaine. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kryptonite, but for okay. people. Uh, <laughs> number nine. Cheesing. Cheesing? Yeah. Not just cheese. No, no. Cheesing. Cheesing. Cheesing, yeah. <laughs> What, that's the name for a drug, not the act of taking it or anything. I, I guess that one, without trying to give it away, that one is more about the act of. Right, okay. <laughs> Cheesing. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll say that's real. So what you have to do when you're cheesing is like you you have to get the cocaine and water and let it curdle and then just basically let it ferment. Right? <laughs> but no, cheesing is... Made up. Oh. That was uh, taken from South Park. Okay, where they where they have the cats and they get the cats. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh crap! Yeah. I can't remember. I didn't remember. Yeah. Can't believe I didn't remember That's that. That's all right. That's all right. And the final one, the final question. Well, it's real. Batman. I mean, if we've got five real, five fake, I think we've had five fake and four real. I don't so know, I'm just, I it, keeping count. Yeah. It's real, it's real. But say it's okay. real. Unless I've miscounted. Batman. Is a 
another name for cocaine. Cocaine. Why? Why? Why Batman? What did you keep count of what you got? Yeah, I got ten out of ten. You got ten out of ten. Yeah, oh. I know. No. Uh, I I actually counted that you only got four there. I think I uh, yeah, I think I only got like four. So nothing for Michael Douglas. Sorry, Michael J. Douglas. Sorry, Michael from J. Douglas. Uh, you're not getting anything this time. Okay, so should we take a listen to the album? Let's. Seriously, let's. I might just listen to it, have it under the background while we're doing this. Land of Sunshine. Released as a promotional single for the record. They had a lot of music videos made for this record. Yeah. Yeah. Like usually what, there's two or three, but there was there's quite a few on this on this one. Yeah, but they weren't all singles, though, were they? They weren't all singles, but they had a lot of music, music videos. Video. Well, it was the MTV yeah. era, wasn't it? It is. They'd seen it how is. much, how how well they could do just for having one video that was went big on there. So, uh, true, true. Uh, so, Land of Sunshine released as a promotional single for the record. It's a great opening song. Really, really like it. It's not Black Shuck or Uncontrollable Urge, but it is. It's still a great opening song. It's based around this little kind of this bass riff, 
Boom ba ba da da boom ba ba da da. And I love the surprise halftime. So it starts off with this kind of really rocking down da 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 da, da and then it just kicks into halftime. Mm. It's it's quite cool. The lyrics are allegedly almost entirely based on fortunes from fortune cookies and the Oxford Capacity Analysis Personality Test, which is administered by the Church of Scientology. Yep. Yep. Pretty pretty much. Um, yeah. But altered slightly to fit the rhythm, basically. That's true, yeah. So uh, the lines taken from the fortune cookies are virtually unchanged mm. and appear throughout the first and second verses of the song, and they are... Life to you is a dashing, bold adventure. Mm-hmm. Sing and rejoice. Fortune <laughs> is smiling upon you. You have a winning way, so keep it. You are an angel heading for a land of sunshine. Pat yourself on the back and give yourself a handshake. How do you give yourself a handshake? Weird. That one, yeah. And there are lines taken from the personality test, although, as Jake said, um... They are slightly altered. So the personality test says, do others push you around? Uh, two of the questions were shortened slightly. Uh, do you often sing or whistle just for the fun of it? And they say just for fun, don't they? Yeah. 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 And do you sometimes feel that your age is against you, too young or too old? That was shortened to, do you feel sometimes that age is against you? And then... Of course, there's the unchanged question. Does emotional music have quite an effect on you? I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting way to do, to do a song. Yeah. Uh, singer uh-huh. Mike Patton has said that he wrote the lyrics for the song and the next one, Caffeine, during a sleep deprivation experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. apparently he just deprived himself of sleep and was watching TV. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Or people watching. Yeah. He did a lot of people watching on the album as throughout the album as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like going to like like cough dive dive sort of truck stop sort of things. Yeah. Which I suppose is where you'd go if you needed coffee at stupid o'clock in the morning. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Or a diner or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the co- the chorus features maniacal laughing. Which sounds menacing, Jake, but it's not quite as menacing as the Muppets' maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. <laughs> maniacal laugh. <laughs> the vocal performance is fantastic on this song. Patton is working his way through three characters, as I've, as I've noted. The traditional mm. singer, a narrator, and what I call the ugly sound, which is the sing and rejoice. Sing and rejoice. Now for the next question. Does emotional music have quite an effect on you? Do you feel sometimes that it is against you? Sing and rejoice. And sing and rejoice. And that's that's all I've got.
All right. Well, that brings us nicely into Caffeine, which, as we said, was the second one he wrote while he was doing his weird sleep deprivation thing and obviously yeah. having a lot of coffee. Um, it was really hard to get any information on this because if you search for information about the song, uh, everyone just starts talking about Land of Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, no, I, I had the same thing. It's like, Come on, guys. Yeah. They're separate yeah. songs. Can I have a bit of... Yeah. Um, this, I know we said earlier with, um, you know, it's probably a bunch of crap that he doesn't think about his lyrics too much. But I, I do genuinely get the feeling from this one that it's more of a stream of conscious thought, more so okay. than anything else. Um, so I did have a look into it, see what people made lyrics and bits and bobs like that. And it all just seemed very um, reaching, you know, yeah. what I mean, like grasping at straws, well, almost sort genius of Genius has a lot of people trying to be geniuses. Oh, actually, no, I don't think there was any on Genius. Oh really? Yeah, I found quite. I found quite a bit on Genius, but maybe not for this particular song. Apparently, though, that was the only drug Mike Patton did back in the day. Well, he just just, just drank just, coffee. Just coffee. Now nothing but coffee. Wow. Yeah, it's like the days of his time. These guys. Well, yeah, it's it's the same as um, Rollins. Mm. Rollins is quite famously straight edge. Yeah, well, that was that was the scene, or, wasn't it? That was the whole black flag like scene um yeah one of the things i read online is just there is no deep meaning regarding any of the stuff that the people before on this thread of people talking about it mentioned so masturbation being gay uh mm-hmm. there was something else that was a few other bits and it is basically a string of consciousness while written while delirious from lack of sleep and over caffeinated uh the whole thing's in free fall ah so you kind of get this um yeah it's like going throughout the whole thing so it's just got this nice driving energy and yeah. it's a really nice thing with a really cool thing they build kind of tension up between each section by yeah. doing that bit of just the bass and the drums uh which is just kind of like the the bridge but they give you like a little snippet of it just in between just to build a little bit of tension before taking you back mm. into the thing and obviously for yeah. the bridge they build that up for about a minute i think just like and then that just builds up and then it's got that Really big, he just starts screaming, everything comes in all big and loud. It just sounds amazing. They they just do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that's going to come up a, a lot as we're talking about this. Doesn't sort of overdo it as well. It's very easy to overdo it with building tension. Mm, mm. Doesn't do it. Sounds amazing. Well, the, that's the thing with this album is that it's. I think part of the reason why the guitarist left Jim Martin, Big Jim Martin, left not long after this album was released, from what I've read, is because he didn't want to do pre-production. He wanted to figure it all out in the studio, sort of thing. Yeah, and the band have clearly gone massive in pre-production. Which you can tell because everything is so just figured out yeah. on this album. Yeah. Oh, just so many samples in it as well. Like, oh, so I they would that. have had to have worked out where they were going to get them from, what they wanted to use them for and everything mm. like that. Mm. Like the, at one point, the record company was apparently a bit nervous about how many samples they'd used. Well, and that was another thing is that um, Jim Martin, he wanted to create the sounds himself. Yeah. He didn't want to use samples. He he, bit old school, I guess, in a way, and that fits in with the whole granddad vibe. <laughs> um, 
my my notes for this song is that the really good like they're showing how good they are at the tight verses and then the kind of rhythmically bust open choruses yeah and then it's just the screaming at the bridge as well yeah Mike Patton super Well, Super. the third song, and you'll like this one, Jake, Midlife Crisis. I've got a lot, a lot of stuff planned for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Number one on the modern uh, rock charts. The song is said to be about pop princess Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was way too good not to use. But by the way, side note, Madonna has announced this week that she's jumping on the bandwagon and prepping a biopic film about her life. Oh, piss off, Madonna. But wait, there's more. Is she directing it? Not only is she prepping it, she's also writing the film based on her life. But wait, there's more. She is directing it as well. Have you seen any of the films she's directed? Like any uh, of them? No. No, yeah. no, no, no. Awful. Oh, Todd in the Shadows... Uh, did a really good series about it on YouTube. Right. Um, very much recommend them, but they are atrocious films. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever even seen her act in a film. I know she's in like a league of their own. Evita. Evita. Yeah. But you never saw Evita. I mean, don't bother. Yeah. It's rubbish. But yeah. Uh, so look, I just hope she can keep it honest for her sake because she's not doing very well at the moment. Is Madonna? Is she not? Prior to lockdown, she kept people waiting at a concert for like three hours. And then uh, once she did arrive late, she said, don't worry, the Queen is here or something like that. And it didn't go over very well. I think people started walking out. Throwing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, it just shows a massive disrespect for your audience, doesn't it? Well, it's that. And it's the thing of like, she has been a master chameleon throughout her her career and i really admire that to be fair i think her tenacity and her just like the way that she molds her music and career around to fit with the times has been she's she's a a master of it she is second to none but i think she's just tried to stretch that one time too far Mm. who knows she might come up with an album in a couple of years time that actually floors us again i don't know she might when was the last time she had... Well, yeah. And the other, and the other thing is she did. she's tried to start a, like, some sort of lockdown empathy trip of, like, yeah, we're all in this together and blah, blah, blah. And she did it live stream from her bathtub and her bathtub was not only, like, massive, mm. but it's, like, quite clearly that she's living a life of luxury and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, we're all in this together. But anyway, well, that was that was a whole thing, though, wasn't it? Of all sorts of yeah. celebrities doing the singing and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, don't sing at me about whatever it is yeah. you're singing from your mansion. Piss yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it Ellen DeGeneres is saying? Oh, it's just it's too hard to live at oh, home. Yeah, but she's, I mean, she's got all of her own problems going on after that now. But still, 
Yeah, it amazes me. Like I've I've known for a few years that Ellen DeGeneres has been. Like, there's been stories online for years about how rubbish mm. a, a human being she is. I just don't get why it never kind of cropped up. Why it never became such a big thing before? Like, did she have that much goodwill? Ah, uh, no. That what you what you've just said. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get into that because I've I've said here. Don't get me wrong. I admire Madonna's tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, I can't help but see her comparison in Queen Maeve from The Boys, oh, in that okay. thing of like, you know, Queen Maeve has seriously gone through some, some rubbish times, but for the sake of being strong, for the sake of keeping her position, she's just like muscled it down, rather than reporting it, if you will, mm. and just kept it silent, and it, it does feel a bit like that. But anyway, Patton said at the time. I think it was a particular time where I was being bombarded with her image on TV and in magazines and her whole shtick kind of speaks to me in that way. Like she's going through some sort of problem. It seems that she's getting a bit desperate. And that was in, I think, 1995, he said that. In 2002, the band readdressed the song by saying the lyrics apply even more to her today. <laughs> yeah. The lyrics, though, for the most part, uh, and again, this is this is to be taken with a grain of salt, the lyrics all feature some sort of masturbatory reference. He's saying that there's an element to cult of personality or celebrity worship that's parasitic and masturbatory, and the celebrity often knows it and uses it to their advantage. In the second verse, it is almost like he's saying, I'm wasting my seed thinking about Madonna. Who doesn't even care if I do. Ironic, really, as the song is slamming the media, yet it does become a hit song. I mean, that's out of faith in the Moors control, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it's ironic for the media. But anyway, um, signature faith in the Moor drumming and pumping bass at the beginning mm. of this song. There's a menacing growl in the opening of the lyrics. There's an awesome synth sound. The pop hook at the end of the song with layered vocals where they've got like three different vocal lines happening at once. Mm. Very Backstreet Boys, but actually I kind of <laughs> like it, you know. <laughs> that's not a dig, people. That's really not a dig. Well, that's that's this, this been, songwriting. This would have been pre-Backstreet Boys though, wouldn't it? 92. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, I mean, I, so I what you're say saying Backstreet is Backstreet Boys. Boys were influenced with their songwriting by Faith No More. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. write any of their songs. But I mean, no, well, yeah. I, I use them as an example of like pop music boy bands of the mid '90s. Um, the drum track, last note for this one, the drum track contains a sample of Simon and Garfunkel's uh, Cecilia. Yeah. There we go. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I feel like you've gone into a lot more detail on yours than I have on mine, but that's fine. I've had two that's of the f- biggest songs off the album so far. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yes. 
RV. Track four. I can't um, see that word without thinking of Robin Williams in a movie about an RV. <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. My very first note that I've got for this is Super Mario Bros. Underwater theme. Because it's the same. It's, it's exactly the same. Like yeah, if, you, yeah. if you want to have a listen to it right now, just to see what I'm talking about, just go onto YouTube, search Super Mario Bros. Underwater theme, and then... Give it a, give it a few seconds. Listen to that. Then listen to RV. There's it, it's the same. Yeah, I can kind of hear it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. Don't just brush it off. It is the same. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> very in keeping with a kind of recurring theme, like we were talking earlier about having something that's really nice, pretty word for a really horrible, vulgar thing. So you've got this really kind of whimsical, almost fairgroundy music going on, uh, while Mike Patton's basically going on about how much he hates himself and his life. Not him, but the character he's portraying in the in the thing. Um, is it's just like a sweeping kind so of six full eight, of, isn't it? Yeah, so full yeah. of self-loathing. Um, yeah. In the third verse, he just says, I'm going to go hang myself. Well, he doesn't say it like that, but that's yeah, yeah, basically yeah. the third verse is him going to hang himself. Yeah. Um, Was it uh, belt over the shower, shower yeah, yeah. or something? Yeah, belt over the shower curtain, I swing, yeah. I think he says. Yeah. Although actually at that point, it does get a little bit more full on. Yeah. When he's singing that bit, kind of like goes big drums, big distorted guitars, big, yeah. big everything. And then it just goes back into nice plodding, whimsical. It's like, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. When I was doing this online, a lot of people don't like this song. I don't get why. Well, my, my first note is that I've got a love-hate relationship with it. I do like it. But it's one of those ones, I used to play this a lot, this album, when I was opening up at the coffee shop. Mm. So early in the morning, and there was a couple of times where like the boss would come walking in as this song was on, and she'd just look at me and say, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know. So I did develop a bit of a kind of self-consciousness about this song. I no. do like it, but it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't fit on the record, but it is quite wildly different from the remainder of the record, but that's what they were going for with this album. Yeah. I, I don't know, think they, they were, were kind of going for that weirdness. They were going for that. They didn't want every song to be sound the same because Midlife yeah. Crisis doesn't sound like either of the two before it. You know, no, but it's it, got that's much still more... very much a, a rock band. Yeah. Well, say this has, this has elements of it. For the most part, it's that plodding, like you say, fairground music, like the, the commentary of the white trash America where he's like, I sweat a lot. <laughs> My feet itch. My feet itch. My feet itch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I married a scarecrow. You know. <laughs> yeah, I married a scarecrow. <laughs> Just it's it is a bit weird, but I I really like it. I do. Yeah. Once again, Mike Patton absolutely makes it with oh, his yeah. white with his white trailer trash sort of delivery. But, and is- like, there's even though. Faith No More have this thing of, like, being funny, like yeah. having an element of comedy and everything, but 
he one hundred percent goes for this. He's not holding anything back. No, no, no. You no. know what I mean? Like he dives into this, and good on him for doing it because it actually makes it worth it. Yeah, I think if it had been done any differently, it probably wouldn't be that good a song. No. Yeah. No. It's it's him being the character and c- completely living it. It's great. I think yeah. it's time to talk to my kids. I just tell what my daddy told me. You ain't never gonna amount to nothing. Smaller and Smaller is the next song. This song I find quite depressing. It's pretty relentless. Mm. Uh, I get the feeling that this song is about the machine crushing everyone to get every drop of product out. You know, ringing the, the metaphorical towel to get every last drip or every last like drip of music so that they can sell it. That's what the lyrics are kind of telling me yeah. in this one. Although, you know, we shouldn't be reading into his lyrics. No, 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 you shouldn't. That's, that's but a big these, no-no. These ones are actually quite emotive and quite strong. I like the chorus in the song. <laughs> Another strong vocal performance. I mean, mm. really, we could just write that for everything. <laughs> but especially there's a screech at the end. And it's, well, it's it's quite haunting how he can screech like that in a way. Because it's not just like a growl and like a kind of hardcore. It's yeah. actually like a full high-pitched screech. And the the bridge is so left of center. It's perfectly, perfectly unsettling. For the chorus, if Andy Serkis wasn't Gollum, where he's going, keeps coming back smaller and smaller and smaller, I'm not going to try and do the yeah. impression. That yeah. is what I would think Gollum would sound like. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, so if, if they ever do another animated version of it, he could, he could definitely do it. Mike Patton you know? as Gollum. I mean, at this point, Andy Serkis is Gollum, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've started uh, with Year 7s doing a doing a unit based around The Hobbit. Oh, None nice. of them have seen The Hobbit. None of just, them have seen Lord of the Rings. It's crazy. Do you just randomly sometimes splice in that scene with Bilbo where he uh, tries to reach for the ring in uh, <laughs> Rivendell? <laughs> <laughs> just to scare him. Um, no, but that, that's a that's a good good thing that I should do, yeah. Because yeah, got some oh. got some fairly confident and abrasive kids in that class. Yeah, that gets yeah. everyone. Yeah, oh, that scared me when I saw that in the cinema. Oh, me too. That that always freaks me out, even now. <laughs> even um, now. But I've I've definitely been having a hankering for watching those films again. The um, all the, all the Lord of the Rings and the and the other one, The Hobbits. I only saw the, the first Hobbits Hobbit. weren't as good. I think the second Hobbit was really good. 
The second one was probably the best one. Problem with the Hobbit was it didn't it suffered from massive production problems, didn't it? Massive production problems, like so. Gilmero del Toro was supposed to do it. Well, he got sacked initially. Didn't he? Uh, well, he he, he did he quit? Yeah, he was producing and writing it. They got Peter um, Jackson in out of nowhere, and he was like, "Okay, this, I but think the New Zealand you want to make it like, three hey, films? Pete, come on, let's make it three, so we can really get some tourism numbers in." Because, well, for the last twenty years, New Zealand's tourism has been Lord of the Rings. Surely, it's, the book's only two hundred and forty pages, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, but three films. I mean, the last film was basically around the very, very final battle, the Battle it. of the Five Armies. Yeah, yeah, and it's a three-hour film, which is completely skipped in the book because uh, Bilbo gets knocked out, <laughs> and that's it. He wakes up, and it's over. Oh, fair enough. Well, it doesn't get completely missed out, but it's mostly missed out. Next song. Everything's Ruined. One of my favourites. It's a great song. Yeah. Probably one of the more kind of straight up rock songs on here, yep. would you say? It starts with this jank-ass, plinky piano. And then it, everything kicks in with the world's most punchy bass. Yeah. It's like, it's like right in the face. Yeah, don't forget their trademark drumming as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like peak Faith No More drums. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it really is. If you want an example on how to play like the other mic, mic two. Yeah. This this is what you listen to because it's yeah perfect. Mike Borden um, is his name. Mike Borden, thank you. Yeah. Have you seen the video for it? No. It's so cheap. It's like is it? Appa- apparently, um, Warner wouldn't give them any more money because apparently they had quite a big budget for the other t- videos that they'd done. Right. Uh, and they basically, they didn't have anything left, so they literally camera blue screen like a blue screen room. Oh, like I've seen clips of it. Like yeah, home yeah, yeah. movie footage in the background and they're just yeah. having the time of their lives. Like <laughs> you can just, you can tell watching them that they're all having fun. Oh, that's good. Love I'll it. I'll need to check Absolutely. that out properly. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple of stills from it. One of the biggest rock bands in the world at the time, you know, a, a video that probably cost, like I could make it now yeah. and it wouldn't yeah, cost yeah. me anything. <laughs> no, no. You know, back then, a few thousand dollars maybe. Mm, <laughs> mm, <laughs> if, and that was probably all just on people's wages. Yeah. To make it, you know. Bit of information I got from uh, faithnomorefollowers.com, which proved to be a pretty useful site, actually. You know how every website, everything has its own dedicated wiki? Yeah, yeah, Like Star Wars has Wikipedia, and it's not quite their version of that, but it's pretty much that. Um, But it says, about this one's contrasting mute, euphoric choruses, and melancholy verses. Yep. Um, It's also one of the only songs on the album to have a proper full-on guitar solo. Yeah, and a really good one as well. And a really good one, yeah. It's actually, I think, when the guitar's playing, it's in like a major key. It's not minor at all, and like everything no, yeah. the more... Is always like minor, almost always, yeah. And 
that's a really good guitar solo. I really enjoy yeah. it. It's it really is phenomenal, but it's really weird because it's so it's quite an upbeat, funky bass line, yeah. and then quite a melancholy verse. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It gets sad funk. Is that a thing? Well, there's there's like some <laughs> slapping and popping, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I need to listen to it again because is is sad funk a genre that exists? And if not, can we make it a thing that exists? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to. It's yeah. not necessarily slow, but no, I suppose. Just yeah. Uh, well, I've got that. I really like the vocal rhythms um, combined mm. with the palm muted guitar in the verse. The opening up of the chorus, like you say, again, that's kind of a bit of a trademark Faith No More thing. Vocal harmonies in the second verse are pretty incredible. Mm. And I, I believe that's just Mike Patton, although Roddy does some singing live as well. So Jim used to as well. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, big Jim. Big Jim. Not much, but he did the occasional. Okay. Uh, melodic but simple and effective keyboard parts diatonically rising. Mm-hmm which is really cool, and I just absolutely love it when we get to the outro with Everything's Ruined. Yeah. They tease it throughout the whole song. Once you finally get to the final part of the song, they're doing this, Everything's Ruined, it's all in a major key, it's really happy, it's really awesome. Yeah. You know, whereas all the other times they say it, they skip back to the minor for the verse. Yeah. Mm. I really I really like that song. Really like that song. I think we know what your suggestion for a track of the album is. Incorrect. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like to keep it well, You're fresh. a crack Hitler man, eh? No. 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 Um, uh, no, no. No. I really struggled with that one. Uh, okay. So the next song is Malpractice. Rolling mm. Stone magazine described this song and Jizzlobber as art-damaged death metal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patton has said of this song, it's about a lady who goes to a surgeon and she's getting operated on and she realises that she likes the surgeon's hand inside of her. She doesn't even care about being cured. She just wants someone's hand inside of her. She gets addicted to that. Weird. Weird, but, you know, it's a game that kind of weird but funny kind of Faith No More stuff. The song features a sample of Dmitry Shostakovich's string quartet number eight in C minor, opus 110, number two, Allegro Molto. that symphony name it's like Ibanez had named it <laughs> yeah well they, they <laughs> did yeah, the, the classical composers didn't really do names as much as just kind of categor- categorize them 
No. Well, they had the overarching name, and then you'd have sections from within. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, that thing, wouldn't yeah, yeah. you? And exactly. It's just a bit silly, really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. That was nice and simple. That was pretty quick. So next one is Kindergarten. Yep. Um, and I do have to hats off to Faith Time for this one. It's the only bass solo in the world that doesn't <laughs> suck. And I think the way they've done it is it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's catchy and it does its thing for oh, a few it's bars. It's really it melodic. Done. Really it's melodic. Really and melodic. has he got like a phaser or a chorus on there? Something like that. Yeah. Maybe a flanger Might or something. Flanger. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing I really love about this, another one I think I really love about this song is in the um, the choruses, you get those synth uh, violins doing the stabs. It's go, bah, bah, like, over the bottom of everything. I just think it sounds really cool. <laughs> it's not particularly, uh, you know, out there or anything like that. Yeah, I yeah. just think it's a really nice, subtle thing. And if you take it away, it would, you know, detract massively from the song. I've got to, I've got to interject there because I always forget, and I don't mean this as a dig, I always forget that Roddy's actually in the band. Like, <laughs> I always forget that Faith and the More have a keyboard player. Yeah, All apart the time. from when he's being overtly... You know, like the end of Epic well, like, or something yeah, like that. There's those moments yeah. where I sit there and go, oh, yeah, they've, they've got Roddy. You know, yeah. there are moments, but for the most part, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, it's a band, Mike Patton, Mike Patton, Mike Patton. Oh, listen yeah. to his voice, Mike Patton. But, yeah, there are moments where I genuinely forget. Yeah, which well, is sort of a good thing. It means he's doing a good job of... Well, I think so. That's, that's, you know, that's like, it's a bit stuff. of a backhand compliment, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of saying like it's good. I don't even realize you're there, but actually, his playing is supportive. His playing is mm. accompanying the rest of the band. Like he is yeah. always there, but yeah. Apart from the songs where he's not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but that's I don't think there are any on this album. But there's no keys, is there? I don't think so. Um, it's a bit of a cheesy song. As well, this one in a good way. It's quite cheesy. Favorite part, though, the whole thing's got to be the auctioneer megaphone babbling. You know, it's just yeah. Okay. All right. With the through the megaphone, love it, love it. It's just like what? What are you? What are you on, Mike? What are you on, Mike? One. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What, uh, why is that a thing? Okay. Did you what? go to an auction and think, yes, yes, that's the that, one for me. Exactly. That. I was going to buy some livestock, but no, yeah, I've got yeah. a much better thing that I'm going to do. Yeah. Go to the studio, record this, put it in my cheesy rock song uh, about how people are stuck in the past and can't grow and mature, and it's going to be amazing. 
Yeah, well, on that note, I I get the feeling this song is about obviously regression, not being able to mm. uh, mentally advance until you get out of the past or let go of the past and so on. Yeah, exactly. But when I'm thinking of it, I can remember like the shift between year eight and year nine. Uh, I guess over here it would be year six and year seven. Um, yeah. In New Zealand, year nine is the beginning of secondary school. Okay. And you go from being the top dog to being a bottom feeder. And yeah. you're just like in this new school, helpless, and you were the king of the school before, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you're allowed to sit on the benches at the back beforehand. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, and I've none of that. Exactly. <laughs> but I also view this through the prism of the in betweeners, um, where the teacher, Mr. Gilbert, is giving a, like a leaving assembly at the beginning of the in betweeners film. And this has stuck with me. It's this kind of this message haunted me because I was doing this. And he says, I will forget each and every one of you almost immediately. So, if you do find yourself at a loose end next year, I think it might be nice to pop in and see how we're getting on. Don't. This isn't the Dead Poets Society, and I'm not that bloke on BBC Two who keeps getting kids to sing in choirs. I especially don't want to hear about how well you're settling down at uni or how much growing up you've done in the past 12 months. At best, I am ambivalent towards most of you, but some of you... I actively dislike for no other reason than your poor personal hygiene or your irritating personalities. I hope I've made myself clear on this point and in case any of you think I'm joking, I'm not. I assure you that once my legal obligation to look after your best interest is removed, I can be one truly nasty fucker. (laughs) Good luck with the rest of your lives and try not to kill anyone. Reflects very badly on all of us here. And I, I look. I've been I've been back to my school a couple of times when I go back to New Zealand. Similar thing. Yeah, I've always liked the lyrics of the second verse to this song. Drinking fountains are shorter than they used to be. Yeah, yeah. The swings on the playground don't even fit me anymore. <laughs> I used to think. I used to think that they say "fuck off" at the end of that, but apparently, yeah, it's I always more. thought they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we, I think it's better if he does say fuck off. I think so. To be yeah, yeah, like the swings <laughs> on the playground don't even fit me anymore. Fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. Drinking fountains are shorter than they used to be. The swings on the playground don't even fit me anymore. Fuck off. I love the bass, drums, and synth after that second clip. They do that little kind of bass pop groove. I think that's really cool. That little pop makes everything. Yeah. Next song then, be aggressive. B E aggressive. B E A G G R E S S I V E. Yeah. Another another one of my favorite songs if you can believe that. Yeah, great song. Yeah, written by Bottom who came out as gay in 1992. The lyrics oh. seem to be the lyrics seem to represent a sexual conquest. To put it politely, <laughs> 
Uh, it features a cheerleading chorus. A feature which Marilyn Manson apparently mm-hmm. took influence from on his song Moth Scene. Scene. Some some would say take influence, others would say just outright stole stole the idea. But uh Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean the panning on the three part aggressive harmony is really impressive as well, where they go aggressive, aggressive, oh, yeah. aggressive. So it starts in your left ear and then to your right ear and then the third one comes in centre. <laughs> That's all I got for that one. I love that song so much. I had never really taken too much notice of the of the <laughs> lyrics. No? Reading over the lyrics. It, say that's probably what the song's most famous for. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've I've again been shaking my shaking my booty Some... in the cafe opening up singing this song to myself mm. not taking no, any note of what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great guitar whittling as well. It's like, I'm not normally into songs with a lot of uh, guitar noodly and guitar wankery, but uh, right. I think this is done very well. Okay, cool. So, Small Victory, the most radio-friendly song. Yep. Ever written, actually. Not just for them, but ever. <laughs> okay, all right. There isn't, there isn't one. I don't care, fight me. I really like this song. Oh, I love this song, yeah. Really makes me feel quite content and happy. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it's written about recognising the small victories, but also it's that kind of thing of when you're in a sports team and so on, you get so caught up about winning all the time. Yeah. I know the feeling where it's like... When people say, oh, no, that was a good game. And it's like, no, we lost. Let's all be depressed. We lost. You know, we need to feel this one. But, yeah, I really like the syncopated, uh, 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 uh. I think that sounds really cool. The instrumental section where there's the little dirt on the keyboards. <laughs> That's so good. I really like that as well. Like that just every time I'm not expecting it. <laughs> and it sounds like there's there's a gambling machine in the background in uh, one of the dirt yeah, like sections. Um, so I'm wondering, is that also a small victory? You know, like where they... They drip feed you the little jackpots. I haven't picked up on the gambling machine. I've literally, listening to that section, it's just, I've just heard it. I've never picked up on that before. The gambling is in the left ear and there's something else I couldn't quite pick out in the right ear. It's like a stack of chips being, like, you pick them up and drop them one by one. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, poker chips, I should say, not like you know, yeah, chip, yeah, yeah. chips, uh, yeah, yeah, fries to our American friends. You still won't hear. The next song is Crack Hitler. Now, I haven't got many notes for this one. 
But bassist Billy Gold claims, or Gould claims, uh, crack Hitler is about this drug baron who takes this crack and compares himself with Hitler because he commands enough dependent people. So he thinks he's the biggest one. You know what's funny about all of this? His skin's not even white. He's coloured, and he thinks he's Hitler. We all laughed a lot about him, so we had to dedicate him a song. Okay. Right. And in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, this this is usually uh, one of the tracks I skip. I yeah. don't often listen to this one. Like if I if it's just on in the background, fine, whatever. But if I'm actually sat down listening, so I can just yeah. It's not a not a strong song, in my opinion. No, um, no, no, no. And uh, neither is Jizzlobber, my opinion. <laughs> Jizzlobber, I think the pair of them back. Jizzlobber is is a weird one. Like, so I did a bit of a bit of a dive for this one, and the structure. You know what makes it so weird is the structure, right? So you think of a normal right. song, you've got an A section, a B section. You know, if you yeah. so chorus first, and you have a C section, which would be your bridge. So normally you'll go A, yeah. B, A, B, C, B, for example. Um, yeah. They, no, no. Uh, no and they'll tend no. to flow into each other as well. So A will logically lead yeah, into yeah. B, which will logically lead into C, yada, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. None of that. It's just like, right, we're just changing now. Boom, done. Right, that's it. But the the, the actual sections that it's got are A, B, A, B, uh, a slightly altered B, C, D, E, which is elements of D slowed down, and then an F. So wow. that's like, yeah. what's my A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E, F, six sections. And it's just jarring. It's just jarring the way that it, it goes between them. Um, and there's a lot of dissonance. I guess that's the point of it, though. Yeah. There's, very, there's a lot of dissonance in it as well. Right. Um, yeah. it's, it's just not, not, my, not my bag. Um, no, although I do, when the guitar kicks in, I get uh, an original Mortal Kombat kind of vibe from the sound of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. it's about going to prison or like his fear of going to prison oh yes so it might be like uh was it silence of the lambs silence of the lambs yeah where the guy literally lobs his jizz over over her but then i think it was billy billy gould said something completely different so right to what mike Patton said so who knows who knows the two weakest songs on the album and they are right at the end yeah so you know it's okay because they're they're kind of picked up by the final two at least final two well originally it was the final final one on on the re-releases yeah yeah yeah. so 
uh, on the re-release and mainly the CD and I think the vinyl that I have, we get the Midnight Cowboy theme. Originally was the ending track. Yeah, which is actually, yeah. you know, kind of nice way. I think it's nice to see a band doing a doing a cover like this. And mm. it's a cover of the theme to John Barry's 1969 film of the same name. Set in New York City, Midnight Cowboy depicts an unlikely friendship between two hustlers, naive prostitute Joe Buck and ailing conman Ratso Rizzo. Never seen it. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be very sad. Yeah, I've never seen it, you know. Yeah. Um I mean mm. I'm not a big John Voigt fan. John Voigt. We love John Voigt. He has some he has some good moments. National Treasure. Anaconda. Anaconda. Uh he was in Ray Donovan. He was pretty creepy in Ray Donovan, yeah. And then the final song then, Jake. Final song is Easy Ooh, by the Commodores. Was a strong contender for my best cover of all time. Yeah. I think it was on the Honourable Mentions. I didn't pick it because I thought you were going to pick it. And I didn't pick it because um, I thought you were going to pick it. Yes. So yeah. much like Satisfaction, it's yeah. uh, actually the best cover of all time. It is uh, really good. didn't make good. it onto the list. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've noticed there's two different versions online. Is there? And there's there's another one, and it's got, like, strings and horns in it. Oh, really? I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. It's not as good as oh, this no. one. doesn't start with None the... None of that. Turn the lights down, baby. This one's for all the... <laughs> what is it? All the ladies in the house. Yeah. Turn the lights down, baby. This one's for the ladies in the house. Uh, obviously, they, they cut out a verse as well. Yeah. For whatever reason. Why not? Well... You know, it wasn't adding anything to it. No. It has the best lead into a guitar solo of all time. Yep. With uh, Mike Patton's... Ew! Yeah, that is good. I I like I love the fact that this, this is pretty much just done as a middle finger to their fans and a middle finger yeah. to, their, to the <laughs> yeah. audience, like done to spite the audience completely. Yeah. Very I think meta. part of it as well was the same with um, the Midnight Cowboy theme. Billy Gould was going through a big... Uh, easy listening phase right. at the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to get something that's easier to listen to than the Commodores. That's a sentence. It works. Yeah. It flows well, perfectly. I mean, I've heard, perfect uh, sense. who did I hear this week? Megadeth doing a cover of These Boots Were Made For Walking. Right. Okay. Was and, it any good? No, 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 no. It was absolutely like tear your ears off bad. Because oh, wow. they did it in... Like a Megadeth style. Right. It didn't work. 
But no, Faith I've... No More didn't try to put Easy into a Faith No More Faith style. No, they, no, they, they just did quite an honourable cover, and it works. And I mean, it only enhances this whole idea that they're trying to do something different. And you know, they've moved away really from the kind of rap metal of Epic completely on this album. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but South once again, they're one of those bands that don't really stick to a theme for more than an album, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, overarching, you could say, yeah, they're a metal band, but past that point, it's like, yeah. even within the album itself, there's massive discrepancies between, you know, I say discrepancies, uh, variations yeah. of, uh, you know, between styles from one song to the next. And I, I kind of like good. that, though. I kind of like the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter too much to them. They'll just do a good song as yeah. a good song. Absolutely. Well, anyway, Jake, this leads us into our final questions. Right. The first one, favourite track of this album? <sighs> probably. Probably a small victory. Small victory. Mm. Yeah, just something about it puts me in a good mood when I put it on, so... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I like small victory, be aggressive. Yeah, that was kindergarten. Yeah, everything's, everything's ruined. ruined. I think is a is an, uh, a really good one. Midlife crisis. I'm probably going to have to go for be aggressive. Oh, fair enough. That's a good shout. It's a great song. I, I like be aggressive. That's that's just such a good song. Yeah, yeah. So catchy. Good shout. And now that I know that it's mainly about sexual conquests, it makes it even more cool in a way. Okay, if you had any of these songs covered by another band, what song would it be and who would cover it? Uh, it would be the Commodores covering Be Aggressive. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Land of Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about, what about um, you? Uh, that's a hard one. RV by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> really? Just because it's that kind of croony style, you know, like that. See, with RV, I see that's more of a Tom Waits thing. I think he'd do it really easily. Oh, now that is a good shout. I swear to my feet itch. He'd do, he'd, yeah. Yep. You're welcome. I'm going to have to stick with that. I think I can't get better than that. Tom Waits doing RV. RV. It's a good shout. Yeah. Wish I'd thought of that. Yeah. Uh, I sort of did. We've, we've now hit the we have. top 10 elimination round. Yeah. So, Jake, where do you put Angel Dust by Faith No More in your top 10? At number one. Actually... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legitimately, this is like the best album we've done. I, I actually think uh, I concur with that. I think I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. It's yeah. at number one for both of us. So it eliminates Scott Walker's Scott Two for me, and Blake Mills' Hi Ho for you. It does. Yeah. For now. Okay. And then the final question, Jake, is. Angel Dust by Faith No More 
a sound purchase? No. Yeah, of course it is. I know, I know. Yeah. All right. There you have it, dear listeners. It's a sound purchase for both of us. I've purchased it twice already, if not three times. Didn't you get it? Didn't you have it as part of like a big bundle of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like a five them. album. Yeah. Box set or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had that. You had the actual album at least once, didn't you? I think so. Did you have it on vinyl vinyl. as well? Yeah. Yeah, so you... Yeah. There we go. It is that good that I own it three times. If you want to get a sound purchase tapestry, tea public, (laughs) and actually go to stephsquatch.com and go go through the merch store site there because finding it on tea public isn't necessarily easy right now. But if you click the link on stephsquatch.com, you will find the link to the merch store and you will go straight to our tea public site where you can order all your tapestry needs i am stefan and this was a sound purchase a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings check the show notes an up-to-date top tens list, our new merch offerings and other musings at stephsquatch.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle stephsquatchblog. Other episodes of A Sound Purchase are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and stephsquatch.com. If you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store to pick up a copy of Angel Dust by Faith No More. This episode has been produced by Alex Shercliffe from Flying Dutchman. Support local businesses.